from the Orange County Fire Authority. This is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host, OCFA's Assistant Chief of Organizational Planning, Mike Schrader. All right, well, I'd like to uh, welcome our OCFA listeners to our first ever uh, OCFA podcast. Want to give a, a quick shout out to uh, some folks out there in operations, uh, Sean Colgan, as well as our multimedia professionals, uh, Jacob and Kevin, for uh, making this uh, media available to us. We're trying to capitalize on uh, all communication methods that will allow us to share all the exciting things that are going on at the Fire Authority. I know uh, one of the uh, Chief's domain objectives was to increase communications at all levels. And uh, this is just another opportunity to uh, reach out and share all the exciting things that are going on. Before we get into our featured segment, which is a podcast on behavioral health, I wanted to uh, just introduce John Clone, who's a panel member from uh, Firefighters Local 3631, uh, and he's going to just talk about some of the great resources that are available on the uh, FireStrong website. Phoenix Fire Department did an amazing job. One of the things they did was develop a website called firestrong.org that 3631 almost immediately subscribed to. We're trying to get to a place where the, there's a one-stop shop for all things behavioral health. And later on, uh, Battalion Chief Jeff Hoey is going to share uh, some personal um, experiences in regards to uh, firefighter behavioral health, and I think you'll find them pretty compelling. I've been having eight to ten flashbacks a day, and I've been having night terrors at home. One night, uh, I walked into my wife, and I handed her my handgun, and I told her I needed her to keep it because uh, I was going to use it on myself. And as embarrassing as that is to say, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Well, as you heard, um, we are in store for a um, pretty powerful conversation on firefighter behavioral health. So that's coming up shortly. Our goal for the podcast is to um, engage the OCFA members, uh, both professional and operations staff, on some of the exciting things that are going on. And we'll do that both on the, the first and the third Wednesday of every month. We'll be covering new and exciting topics that are relevant to uh, your workplace and what's uh, ahead for the fire authority. So the game plan for the podcast is I'll give a quick intro, about five to 10 minutes, and covering some relevant topics, and then we'll segue right into our featured segment, which could be uh, an extended interview uh, with a subject matter expert or uh, somebody regarding a relevant topic or even a panel uh, discussion. That'll last 20 to 30 minutes, and then I'll come back, wrap it up, and give you uh, the heads up on what our next uh, topic is gonna be discussed. Now in the uh, same way as we would in a station visit, I'd like to share just a few uh, noteworthy and newsworthy items uh, that are current in the Fire Authority today. As you'll recall, we recently had uh, our board approve our budget. I just think it was, uh, it was pretty interesting uh, as we walked through the budget in the board meeting. Um, it's kind of the first time I heard Lori Zeller, our Assistant Chief over Business Services, so happy about our budget. Um, so I think you'll, uh, you'll find that uh, pretty encouraging and refreshing as well. It is a pleasure to present this budget tonight. OCFA is in a very favorable financial position, and I can say I, I've never seen our financial outlook quite like it is this year, so it makes it extra uh, enjoyable to be able to present the budget this time. And uh, in addition to uh, the customary um, salaries, employee benefits, and supplies and services that you're all familiar with, uh, we were able to augment uh, this year's budget with uh, a few positions. A couple of them I just wanted to highlight. Uh, first was the uh, ops support position, and uh, this is a uh, division chief position, uh, a administrative captain, and administrative assistant. 
um, who uh, these positions were unfrozen and brought back in from some years back. And we're still working on getting the particulars on uh, which sections we'll report to them. Um, but for now, I just wanted to highlight that. It's kind of an exciting enhancement. So Division Chief uh, Ken Cruz will be uh, coming into the Operations Support Division Chief role and position. And uh, at the same time, we want to congratulate uh, Battalion Chief Robert Acosta, who will be promoted to Division Chief and assuming the Division One responsibilities uh, filling in behind Ken. In addition to that, I wanted to uh, talk about the uh, second training Battalion Chief. As you recall, um, we are going to be bringing in a civilian uh, ECC manager, and so that frees up a battalion chief uh, previously occupied by uh, Phil Johnson. And as Phil cycles back out to the field, we're going to use that battalion chief uh, spot as a second training battalion chief who will primarily supervise our recruitments and promotions, and, uh, and as well as academies. Speaking of academies, um, just want to quickly remind you, uh, for it already wasn't already on your uh, schedule, this uh, 28th of June at 6 p.m., we have the graduation for Academy 44. Now I'd like to transition into our featured segment, which is a uh, panel discussion on firefighter behavioral health. We've assembled a group of uh, subject matter experts and folks who are involved in the program, as well as a couple of our um, highly respected members who've kind of gone through those dark waters. And I think you'll find it uh, pretty interesting. I've obviously very relevant to the American Fire Service as well as the fire service here in Orange County and specifically at the Fire Authority. To uh, walk us on to the uh, panel interview, we have uh, Operations Chief Brian Young. Today we're going to be discussing um, some things that directly align with Fire Chief's 2016-17 domain objectives, specifically Initiative 7.4, uh, which is establish a program that addresses the impact of post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD in OCFA personnel. Uh, we realize that this is a very specific uh, focus and we, we took a step back and looked at it from a bigger perspective and not just focused on PTSD, but that will be a, a subordinate component of, of what we're working towards. So a work group was established to ad address this uh, primary objective. The focus is the overall wellness of the men and women of the OCFA. Uh, mental, behavioral, and physical wellness are all key issues. And the core focus of this work group that was set up is the mental and behavioral components specifically of those wellness initiatives. We have a panel today that's going to be discussing various portions of the work group and some of the, the history and legacy that we have as an agency as far as what we've been providing to the members of the OCFA. With us today is uh, Ken Krikak, representing the chaplains, Chad Gremmel, uh, representing CISM, or Critical Incident Stress Management, Jonathan Willoughby, our risk manager, representing risk management, John Clone, uh, representing 3631, Jeff Hoey is a key component of the work group, and Jeff Hughes will be here representing operations. We also have uh, Chief uh, Mike Schrader um, here. He will be taking over the work group as the chair in the near future. So with that, we'll go ahead and pass off to uh, Ken Krikak, and he'll, he'll provide a little bit of an overview as far as where we've been with the chaplain program and how they can provide support to our members. Thanks, Chief. I'm Ken Krikak, uh, Battalion 4 Chaplain. Well, uh, young firefighters go into the fire service factoring in the risk of their own potential bodily injury, even death. Um, that risk reward assessment is made before they even accept the job. Most even know the fact that firefighters have shorter life expectancies than the average population. But what most firefighters don't anticipate is having to deal with the stress from being exposed to trauma. And when it happens, it hits you by surprise. It's not a pleasant reaction. It's not like uh, the time you saw your first Trans Am. It's a, it's a dark feeling. And, uh, but being prepared even a little ahead of time does help. 
And a being on calls in which there's an actual threat of annihilation or seeing someone else being annihilated leaves the first responder with traumatic stress, which is a reorganization of the central nervous system. We get agitated, increased heart rate and blood pressure, stress hormones kicked in. And our interpretation of the world changes and we see the world more of a dangerous place. And this is where firefighters need to integrate the memory into the overall context of their lives. And one way you'll know if that's not going well is if you find it getting harder and harder to get back to the level of enjoyment, um, joyful engagement with people and pursuits that you had prior to the trauma. Now, just because you have these physical symptoms doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It actually means that the system is working properly. It's just working off the recordings versus real time. It, is it real or is it Memorex? The amygdala doesn't know the difference. That's the part of the brain that's responsible for sensing danger. And uh, it's like a smoke alarm. It'll go off if it's smoke from a working fire or just smoke from cooking. And the amygdala beats the rest of the brain to the punch. And then as long as we're not too upset, the other parts of the brain kicks in and says false alarm. Now, it's not easy to adapt to the new normal each time you're exposed to trauma. However, this time in our history is the best ever to be able to uh, deal with this because of the research, understanding, and treatment. And what penicillin is, was for infections is what EMDR is now for the treatment of post-traumatic stress. Currently, the results show that EMDR has a 80 to 90% success rate in as little as one to three sessions. It's a treatment that uses neither medicine or Edison. You're not going to get your, your rat's brain zapped and your amygdala deactivated. You'll keep your healthy fear of things. You still have a recollection of the events, but the, the memory becomes a historical, uh, just minus the uh, emotional response. Well, we're part of the critical and stress debriefing team, so uh, we'll be there at every debriefing. Um, we also do rotating ride-alongs with the crew so that we're uh, visible and available. Um, the chief's memo that he put out on um, May 11th, uh, with look, talking about peer supports, said the ideal peer support team is member will be empathetic, compassionate, good listener, non-judgmental, easily approachable, respectful to others' cultures and views, respected and trusted by others, discreet and able to maintain confidentiality. That's that is is like a really good description of the chaplain course playbook. And uh, so the charter of the chaplains nationwide is to provide critical incident stress management, psychological first aid counseling, and spiritual help when requested. And so we have counselees from all religions and from no religion at all. We help them all the same with conflict resolution, relationship with their spouse, anything and everything. Our meetings are confidential. We have private offices we never book back to back. So not only is the meeting confidential, but everything we said is confidential as well. But yeah, we're here as a... Um, as a, as a resource to um, uh, do a lot of counseling in this area, especially help guys get through traumatic stress and their families as well. Excellent. Thanks for that, uh, that insight. Um, so with that, we'll segue to, to Chad Gremmel, uh, representing the Critical Incident Stress Management team, provide a little bit of an oversight of, of what kind of services you provide in the, fast, in, the, excuse me, in the past and how that can segue into our future. Hi everyone, I'm excited to be here today. This is, it's awesome to be able to talk about the behavioral health and well-being of our members of our organization and just trying to create positive change for everyone. So I'm part of the OCFA's critical incident stress management and peer support teams. These teams were founded back in 1992, so they have a long history of working with personnel from the OCFA. And just for clarity's sake, currently both the CISM team and the peer support team includes the same people. So it's effectively one and the same, although 
some of the mission is different. And obviously going forward, part of this podcast is talking about how we're going to build that peer support team to be a more robust team with uh, people to reach further uh, areas in OCFA. So currently, Battalion Chief Cliff Bramlett is our chairperson, and Battalion Chief Bill Lockhart is the co-chairperson. And the program is located under the EMS section, and that's how we receive our funding. And our members come from the Operation Services section, the Chaplain Services, as Ken mentioned, as well as from the ECC. And we're open to members from all sections of the OCFA. We just need to have people who are interested to raise their hand and come forth because it's uh, better to have members from all sections, like say IT or fire prevention, because incidences affect everybody in the organization. And some people want to discuss problems they may be facing with people that they know and are comfortable with. And conversely, some people just want to talk to strangers who don't know them very well. So the purpose of the CISM team is to provide support and professional intervention to mitigate the impact of stress reactions on members of the OCFA. So specifically, the CISM team is going to respond to incident callouts versus the peer support team would be more of a one-on-one thing where somebody identifies somebody in the peer support network and we'll call them to discuss personal problems. So the way the CISM team is activated would be that on the scene of an incident, and I see a fire captain or anybody who sees the need to have a call out where some, there was an emotional event, they can call the ECC, who will then call Chief Lockhart. And he has the, all the team listed out on it. We use a, an app called WhatsApp, and he'll send out a text message on that app, and everybody on the team will then answer if they're available to go out and respond to the incident or to a station for a diffusing. As soon as we have a, a group of two people at minimum, then those people will be sent out to the incident or the station to talk about the incident. So when that's occurring, the units that were involved with this incident will be placed out of service so that way they can know comfortably that they're going to be able to go back to the station and they can rehab their units while they're waiting for members to come and discuss and have this diffusing about the event. So diffusing is roughly a 30 to 60 minute conversation that we have regarding the incident. And during that conversation, it may come up that there are some deeper issues or problems that need to be discussed that would move this diffusing up into what we would call a debriefing, which you guys have heard about before. But a debriefing is something that we're going to have people from a, an outside healthcare agency come with licensed doctors who can come and lead the discussion from that, that component. And that will be generally within uh, 24 to 72 hours of the incident. So some key components just to remember for our team is that they're trained to respond to incidents and stations to assist people with discussing troubling events, trained to talk with them personally regarding problems that they're facing just on one-on-one -on -one situations. All members are vowed to keep discussions confidential. So we don't talk about what happened in the diffusing as well in the peer support arena when you're having one-on-one -on -one conversations. We don't discuss what happened. So a lot of times you're not going to know what is going on with some people in the program because we're not going to discuss those, those conversations. And the team is completely voluntary. While we do have some paid training, whenever we respond to incidences or talk to people, it's just voluntary because people just want to be there to help people. Some examples of responses we've been to have been the San Bernardino shootings last year. We sent members out there for debriefings as well. Our team was put on standby to re respond to incidents in the state of Washington last year. Uh, as well, there's numerous in-county responses that we've been a part of. And members receive training 
and advanced peer support techniques, which cover a whole host of topics. As well, some members have attended a week-long public safety peer support conference where they come back and can share their knowledge and training with other members of our team. So to find out about the program, again, we talked to new hires in their academy. The, we also talked about the program in the fire captain and battalion chief academies. And going forth, um, you know, the FireStrong website, which will be discussed later in this podcast, is, is a great forum to, to get the information out to more people. And so just remember with the CISM team that we're here to listen to people, keep everything confidential, and our goal is just to help and sort, support members of the OCFA. Thanks, Chad. That was an excellent overview. Um, one thing that resonated with both of the speakers, Ken and Chad, both is uh, the confidentiality issue, which is obviously of a great concern. And you'll hear that as we go through the conversation, that it's going to be uh, uniform throughout the group. So thanks for providing that insight and, and providing a, an understanding of, of what you provide in the past and how we'll segue into the future. So with that, I'll uh, move over to Jonathan Willoughby, uh, risk manager. He'll provide um, some good background understanding of where we've been and where we're going to go as far as this group. Thanks, Chief. I, um, I just want to start out by saying how positive I think it is that you're seeing this shift in the fire service and within our organization to um, even start talking about this topic. And I'm really excited to be a part of, um, of how we're moving forward with this. Historically, risk management ha hasn't had much of a role in behavioral health. There was absolutely no involvement in the prevention of behavioral health issues to our personnel. And we have been involved in guiding the employee to treatment and administering benefits if an, if an employee submits a worker's compensation claim. Risk management reports to the Human Resources Department, and under the Employee Benefits Program, they oversee the contract for the Employee Assistance Program, which is with Optum WorkWell right now. So as, as Chief Young mentioned, um, one of the initiatives in the 2016-17 strategic plan is to establish a program that addresses the impact of post-traumatic stress disorder in our personnel. So I've been coordinating the Joint Labor Management Work Group that is evaluating the current programs and determining what enhancements are necessary to better address the needs of our personnel in the future. What's really been noticeable as we've done this, as we've been going through the evaluation, is that we have several programs that you've heard um, discussed in, in the last two, um, two speakers, that we have um, a lot of people that are doing really good things for the right reasons. The um, individuals in the programs, they coordinate with each other, but there isn't one umbrella that they really fall under that's a bigger behavioral health program. It's the CISM peer support program, it's the chaplains program, it's the employee assistance program, the benevolent association. But there isn't one OCFA behavioral health program that's the overarching umbrella. So um, in the upcoming fiscal year, the WeFit program is going to return to risk management for better alignment with what the core, of the core mission of that program was, which is injury prevention and really taking care of our employees. And one of the components of the IAFF Wellness Fitness Initiative is behavioral health. So I really see the umbrella for the enhanced OCFA behavioral health program becoming the wellness fitness program, the WeFit program, and falling under risk management. So um, I think that, that by having that umbrella, it's going to provide um, more coordination, uh, better funding, and better awareness for all these programs in the future. Excellent, Jonathan. I appreciate that. Provides a good understanding as far as how this is all coming into one big project and it's not just a bunch of silos. So 
that that moving forward is really going to be what our big strength is, is working with everybody that's involved with the survey has a passion uh, for the members of, of the OCFA. So like everybody else, I'm excited about the future. Um, with that, I'll segue over to John Clone, um, Captain John Clone from 3631. Uh, this is an exciting time, um, full engagement from, from labor on this issue, and they bring the full support of the IFF, which is really a nice uh, nice thing to add to this whole discussion. So I'll turn over to you, John. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Chief. Uh, John Clone, I uh, truck captain, uh, Station 71, 18 years in the fire service now, and IAFF has a major push going on right now to increase the awareness and resources for uh, members. Um, and that's basically what we're collaborating with Jonathan on and, and the work group in general, and it's been great. There's been you know a lot of cooperation and progress so far made between 3631 and the work group and, and Jonathan, and um, I think it's only gonna get better. Basically, our intent um, is to increase awareness and access to resources. Um, there's, basically sort of four pillars right now to the entire program, um, including chaplains, what will be a more a robust peer support program, CISD, and an educational component. Hopefully in terms of that umbrella that Jonathan was talking about overarching, um, we sort of have talked about and envision hopefully a behavioral health specialist that's licensed professional and will kind of oversee all the different aspects of the program that we're working to uh, develop. Um, one of the first things, one of the things we recognized or were educated on immediately at the IAF conference was that the numbers are pretty staggering in terms of what's going on in the fire service right now. We're losing more uh, firefighters to suicide each year now than we are to line of duty deaths, um, significantly more. So it is a big problem. Um, they've rec it, uh, done some studies, uh, PTSD um, studies as it relates to firefighters. 30% of Vietnam vets have PTSD, 10% Gulf War vets, 5 to 20% of uh, Iraq, Afghanistan war veterans and 20 to 30% of firefighters. Um, so our numbers are very high. Um, sleep deprivation and sleep disturbances, 40%, high numbers of substance abuse. And so all of these factors, you know, can build and lead to significant emotional events and, and psychological injuries that we want to do everything we can to increase awareness and education. That's going to be a major component of the program, I think, going forward for not just for members, but family as well, because that's a huge part of, you know, potential um, benefit and and um, disturbance for members when they're having problems at home, uh, that problems at work that lead over into the home life and then it becomes a vicious circle where they're having problems at home and then it bring been uh, bringing it back to work so one of the things that we did that we that we uh, recognized immediately was that the difficulty in accessing resources for members both within the organization and outside the organization and, and Phoenix Fire Department did an amazing job there like at everything else at the cutting edge of uh, firefighter behavioral health uh, with their program there. They've done a lot of outreach around the country trying to teach other departments um, what they've learned, what they did right, what they did wrong. One of the things they did was develop a website called Fire Strong. 
that 3631 almost immediately subscribe to. We pay a yearly subscription uh, fee to the uh, website. And what they've done is develop a platform for all things behavioral health generally. So when you log on to it, you'll have, there's a lot of resources there. There's a 24-hour hotline that's manned by firefighters and police that's only, that's a, 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 a crisis hotline for a firefighter fire and police only. So you're talking to people who are uh, have a cultural awareness of what our members are going through. But in general, there's a lot of resources on the website. But what's nice is that with our subscription, we have an OCFA page, 3631 page, that allows us to populate that page with our own resources. And what I've done is I worked with um, our insured Brown Insurance, and I was able to collect all the different coverages from the different uh, plans that we offer, and put all that coverage and uh, co-pays, phone numbers, etc., for mental health um, counseling, etc., substance abuse, in one place so that you can log on there and see. I have, you know, Aetna, PPO. These are the numbers I need to call for authorization. These are what my coverages are, etc. So rather than uh, having somebody digging through a file cabinet when they're in crisis, trying to find numbers, etc. With all of, we're trying to get to a place. It's it's a work in progress. We're trying to get to a place where the there's a one-stop shop for resourcing, and and that's FireStrong. We have uh, invited all the chaplains onto the site. Um, we have a peer support uh, button that is not populated yet, but after we get the class out and hopefully have a whole bunch of names to put in there, including the CISM team, we'd like to have them in the peer support section so that um, a member potentially who needs to talk to somebody has, you know, 50, 60 names and faces to choose from so that they'll be able to reach out to somebody. Um, the peer support program is intended to, you know, listen and um, offer support, but also to resource um, members um, as necessary, referrals. Um, and so that website allows us to capture all of those resources and elements of the behavioral health program in one place. You can log on to it. Uh, there's a universal logon 3631 fire family is the username 3631 wellness is the password and that gives you all access to our website there's also they what they've done is very nice is that you have access to other fire departments peer support teams as well that i was talking to the la county uh uh firefighter captain that uh captain that manages their peer support team and he was telling me a story about how they had a member that was in Phoenix making his last call suicidal and <clears throat> the LA County guy was able to get a Phoenix peer support member into that parking lot within 10 or 15 minutes based on having access to those names and numbers right there on Firestrong. So what we've done as well with Firestrong just in terms of resources is I, we sent out a questionnaire we got a lot of names from our, our members of people that they would recommend for our, our peer support team. And we're collaborating with Jonathan. The memo just came out where we're going to put, you know, hopefully two classes together, peer support. Uh, they're going to receive two, three days of training plus. They're going to be certified. So it's going to bring a, a level of credibility to the program that um, I think is going to be great. Um, 
the, the department has agreed to pay for members attending that class, which is a huge step forward, I think, because a lot of people are, you know, the, the, sometimes reluctant or unable to attend classes that they wanted to because, you know, they, they couldn't get their time covered or whatnot. And so we're going to um, move through that. I think, I think that's a really positive step. But in terms of that survey as well, what we did, we were able to capture a lot of names of therapists, psychologists that... Um, our members recommended to the rest of the membership that it was all anonymous so x member has a has had an experience with with a therapist that they thought was positive and they they recommended um we probably have 10 i think maybe 15 names on firestrong of therapists all over southern california that were recommended by our own members so you could go there if you've never been to a therapist before and find the name on there and know that at least some of our members have been to this person and and there's a a, a degree of vetting that has gone on there's a lot of them as well that um uh are certified in emdr and that's a specific uh PTSD therapy that's been very effective. So um, there's a number of those therapists on there that you can see that specifically have that training. So our, our goal is to increase access. Our goal is to uh, make the safety net bigger, um, including all components of the program, CISD, CISM, and, and the chaplains, and um, you know professionals, now Firestrong, 3631, everybody working together to um, develop, you know, a premier program throughout Orange County, obviously California, but the United States in general, and uh, we're, the collaboration, I think, is going to allow us to get to that point. Um, and it's, uh, it's a work in progress for sure, but we're making progress, and so um, I think we're going to be better off than we were you know, even last year. So thanks for support. Bring up some great points, John. Shows we're heading in the right direction. Thanks. Uh, so I'm going to turn over now to Jeff Hughes, uh, captain, currently assigned to operations training safety. He has a passion for the subject. Overall wellness is important to him, but we're going to speak specifically to the health and wellness component today. Well, thanks, Chief. Uh, I'm really proud to be in here with uh, a group that's as diverse as this uh, with kind of the same picture in mind. And it's not just the, uh, the CISM piece as much as it's really the behavioral health. Uh, I've been in the fire service for quite a while now. And uh, in the past, there wasn't a lot of talk about this. This is not a new issue. Um, and, it, and it doesn't always occur because of that one bad call. Uh, at the same behavioral health conference up in Sacramento this last year, it was likened to uh, every time you go on a disturbing call, it's like putting a rock in your backpack. Well, some guys are stronger than others, uh, and I don't necessarily mean that physically or emotionally. They just have different coping mechanisms that either work or don't work. And at some point, and it's different for every person, they get filled up. Right? And, they, and they don't know how to uh, deal with that or they have their own coping mechanisms. I think the very thing that makes a firefighter a firefighter, a good firefighter, those are also the things that are kind of stacked against us to identify that there is a problem. I mean, I won't even stop and ask for directions for crying out loud, let alone admit to myself 
that I'm having a problem or that I even recognize that I'm seeing things or feeling things differently uh, than maybe other folks because of an accumulation. Or maybe it's that one call that uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, it might take me years to ever admit it outside to somebody else if I even have that to recognize it within myself. Um, so we're prepositioned to have a really difficult uh, uh, way of identifying this stuff and doing something about it. And even if other folks around me are recognizing that I have a problem or that I'm exhibiting uh, some of those uh, signs, those warning signs like different behaviors, my attitudes are changing, maybe I don't achieve as much at work, uh, and then even attendance can come into it as well. I know that we've had history uh, in this organization in the past. Folks recognize that there's a problem. If the individual doesn't realize that they have a problem, it's an issue, right? Um, we, we like to lump a lot of the, the suicide stuff on the CISM. Uh, the CDC actually recognizes firefighters as number six in the country uh, for occupational suicides, which is pretty incredible. Um, some of the things that we also don't uh, recognize is what about somebody who has uh, a workers' comp injury? You know, uh, whether they have an issue with pain medicine or not. Uh, they're not at work. Maybe they have questions uh, of if they're going to even be able to continue in their current line of work. Uh, it could be throwing their family into disarray. Uh, there could be issues, you know, with that. Uh, that can often lead to that, uh, woe is me, you know, where do I go from here question, what do I have to continue? So, um, like I said, the collaboration with all these groups together we're certainly opening up our possibilities, uh, and uh, the Fire Strong piece has so much information on that website. It's a fantastic resource, uh, and it's one piece, and we're all working together to kind of position ourselves uh, better than in the past. But like I said, it's not a new issue, but the fact that last year we had 134 firefighter and EMT suicides, according to the Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance, this year, we're mid-May, uh, and we're only at 24 right now. So, uh, excuse me, that's 31. So we're doing better this year than, than previous, and maybe that is because we're talking more and we're collaborating more. And, and hopefully, I mean, the goal is to reduce the stigma because we can say, you know, there is no stigma and be strong and all that stuff, but I'm telling you, uh, they – the confidentiality thing is one huge piece, but then getting over the fact that I'm not weak because I feel these things. They're normal stress reactions possibly. And uh, getting help is certainly the healthiest thing that you can do. And the fact that we're heading back towards the Wellness Fitness Initiative and the WeFit program, uh, maybe there should be a uh, behavioral health questionnaire every time when you go to do your WeFit physical. Uh, that that might be a way to, to position that as well. So. Uh, thanks for uh, allowing me in here to at least uh, give my two cents. And like I said, I'm very proud to be in here with this group uh, discussing this, uh, this issue. Excellent. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, with that, we're going to transition to Jeff Hoey from uh, Battalion 3. He's a key component, uh, as many of these other people are on the work group. Um, and he's going to provide some, pers uh, excuse me, some personal insight. Thanks. 
Thanks, Brian. Uh, so, uh, Jeff Oye with Battalion 3, and uh, I'm here with the, basically with the passion for this thing because of personal experience. And so, for me, about eight years ago, my, life, my whole life just came crashing down, and not a lot of people know about it. But uh, for two years prior to that event, um, I'd been having eight to ten flashbacks a day, and I'd have been having night terrors at home. Um, and I just was trying to deal with it, thinking that this is just what part of the job is. Um, I didn't let anybody know. My wife and kids had told me that I had changed, and I just blew them off. Didn't really want to listen to it. Well, uh, one night, uh, I walked into my wife, and I handed her my handgun, and I told her I needed, to, uh, I needed her to keep it because uh, I was going to use it um, on myself. And it was just, everything had been just continuing to swimming, and I just could not get free of those, of those thoughts and those feelings. So my wife was super scared when I did that, obviously, so she called 911, and that night I was arrested and uh, forced into counseling. And as embarrassing as that is to say, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. And so uh, being forced into counseling, I met my counselor, and when I walked into him, he smiled and uh, told me I was going to be okay, and I kind of let my breath out a little bit. And then uh, he sat back and just kind of laughed a little bit and said, you guys, you firefighters and, and police officers all, all are alike, and you think you can handle everything, but you walk into somebody's life-changing experience 10 to 12 times a day, and think you can just do that. When those people, that one event, they'll remember their whole life. Um, it was a pretty pretty staggering point when he said that. And so in two sessions with the EMDR counseling, like the guys are talking about here on the panel, uh, my flashbacks and night terrors were over. And uh, shoot, for years, when I smelled the wet concrete, I was instantly back uh, in my brain and my thoughts on the, uh, on the pile at Oklahoma City with the wet concrete there in 1995. And it was crazy that that would go back, go back that far. But I kept doing therapy for six more months, and it was amazing uh, how many calls had been rattled away in my brain. And you were just peeling the onion every time we would talk. And there was stuff that I would never even remembered. But going through the EMDR, those things came up. And the amazing thing was the emotions that came out of it. And my wife came and watched me on one of them, and it was just crazy on how many times something would surface and I'd be bawling uh, and then figure out the piece, why? Because I couldn't help that person that was dying or whatever the piece was. Um, so had I known I was trying to live with something that I didn't have to, I would have pursued therapy route way earlier. And that's the best thing about this whole panel here is we don't want you to go through anything that others have gone through, what I've gone through, and there's tools out there that are fully available to you. So all I ask uh, to everybody listening to this podcast right now, your family's telling you you're different, you're experiencing signs and symptoms of PTSD, which we'll have on the, uh, on the website. I think Firestrong has that. Um, don't, don't stick your head in the ground. Um, go seek out. Make the phone call. Talk to folks. The greatest part is you get that, uh, that hefty weight off your shoulders, and suddenly your life's back again, and suddenly you're alive and vibrant again, and your, your family, everything's just smooths out. And it's Because it, this, this job catches up to you. Uh, my story isn't the only one. There's a ton of guys out there in our department that you don't know about that have gone through this similar walk. And, uh, and that's just based on that. Know that. Know you're not alone. Uh, you'd be, like I said, you'd be surprised and reach out and, uh, and take on the resources that are offered to you here uh, because you can be healthy and you can uh, walk out of this job with maybe bodily injuries, but hopefully not the mental injuries that's not sticking with you. That was great, Jeff. Thanks for sharing. It makes uh, makes a big difference when people are willing to do that. Um, along the same lines of what Jeff just shared, has been shared with me with some recent retirees um, that have gone through the exact same experience. And to echo what Jeff said is 
is if they would have known earlier, they could have stopped what was happening to them. So that's obviously one of our primary goals from this is to raise the awareness, increase situational um, awareness of signs and symptoms so you don't go down that path and have it be told to you versus discovering it yourself. So I think we're on a great path. And once again, thanks, Jeff. That was, that was huge uh, for you to share that. With that, we're going to transition to, uh, to Mike Schrader. Um, he's taking over the new role of the Organizational Planning Assistant Chief. So with that uh, comes the responsibility um, of making sure that this work group stays on track. I am um, I'm really um, encouraged by the group that's arrayed. I think Captain Hughes said pretty much the same thing. But, you know, when you think about in the fire service, there's no one incident or uh, activity that we're a part of that is conducted and, and handled completely by one person. It's a team effort. And here you see all the forces of the fire authority arrayed to um, combat this problem and bring aid to our members. And um, I, I can't think of an incident that we've ever faced that we haven't been able to handle. Um, but it's only by the collaborative work of all members doing their part um, that we come to the successful conclusion of those incidents. And so this is going to be no different. And so I'm excited to be on the uh, forefront of this. Um, you know, having served for on a CISD team for you know probably over 15 years of experience, I, I can fully understand the need for uh, you know our peer support team, our CISM team, so that our, our brothers and sisters who've been exposed um, to cumulative stress, uh, you know, over their career or acute stress from one incident, or or maybe like uh, Chief Hoey was in indicating with the post-traumatic stress. We've got to be there for them. And recent local and, and national events have, have kind of caused us to reassess and redouble our efforts in this area. And um, like I said before, just working collaboratively with all involved to create a robust uh, behavioral health program is something that's pretty exciting. Um, and it's something that we need to make available to all of our members 24-7, as well as their families, and uh, be there for them in their time of need. So as Chief Young said, I'll be taking over as executive management lead. Um, and working with uh, Jonathan to uh, to push us forward. So I'm really excited about what lies ahead. But I just want to say thanks to all the other members on the podcast and and those folks out there who um, the real heroes that are serving in the streets. Um, we're here for you, and we want to create programs um, that support you 24/7, so that you can keep um, doing the great job that you're doing without having to take that step home. My last parting shot. I'll say this. You know, it kind of reminds me of hazmat. You know, in the 80s when we when started talking about hazardous materials, we recognized that we were, um, you know, taking stuff home and, and damaging our employees and, our, and ourselves by going to these incidents. And then talk about cardiac fitness in, uh, later on, and then terrorism, and all these things that are, that are impacting us. And this is that next evolution. This is that next challenge for us, um, you know, in the fire service to take that mantle of leadership and, and make it better. And so I'm excited about what lies ahead there. But uh, just thanks again, Chief Young, for hosting and uh, for the rest of the panel members as well. Thank you very much. Well stated. Um, with that, we'll bring the conclusion of the podcast. Um, hopefully this met the uh, objectives that we wanted to bring forward to increase the awareness for everybody. There's already been some increased um, discussion with the memo recently coming out from Chief Bowman um, looking for people that desire to be part of this forward uh, moving progress. Um, we're excited. We're excited to to basically give the resources um, to our members at the highest level, and this is just going to take it to that next level. So everybody here involved is key to this, and and really will help us 
make a better, safer tomorrow for everybody at the OCFA. So thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. Uh, we look forward to chatting to you soon. All right, pretty powerful. Uh, I think you'd agree. Um, behavioral health, as I indicated before, something that is uh, pertinent uh, nationally as well as locally within the fire service. And I just wanna thank again, all the panel discussion members, um, as well as all the members within uh, the fire authority who are leaning in on this topic uh, from risk management, from um, firefighters local 3631, from executive management, um, from our CISD team, peer support chaplains. Uh, it's a comprehensive team that's working to solve this problem. And when we have members sit down and honestly share their heart and share their experiences. It breaks down walls and it really brings healing. And I, can't, I just, again, can't tell you how thankful I am uh, for the panel members. So uh, thank you again. That's it for our uh, first podcast. Uh, I just wanna thank you uh, for tuning in and uh, be sure to um, tune in at our next podcast when our Assistant Chief of Business Services, Lori Zeller, gives a financial update as to what's going on in the Fire Authority. Until then, watch out for each other and we'll talk to you soon.